natural, but I, it's just got to be authentic. So, did Randy Thomas make it this morning? What do you think, bro? We've known that video and that preacher for years, and, and we just love it. And, of course, there's nothing like the power in the blood. I'm going to mention that. We've got to do that. Thank you, precious ones. And so, today I'm going to hopefully feed you a little, I hate to use the word buffet because I can't stand to eat right now, but we'll call it a little potpourri, a little medley, a little bit in the beginning of some foundational scriptures, Hi, uh, some foundational scriptures, uh, and then a little teaching, and then I'm just going to share my heart what God's revealed to me as we've been going along. I don't know if you saw me with a mask on, obviously that's or infections, but I'm so glad they make extra large ones. So it's good. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have been smacked, you know. Praise God. I thank you for the opportunity. The title of the message is Reality. The fragileness of this temporal life versus the permanence of eternity. We come and we are born and everything about life is about us. <laughs> and we're plugged into that. And that's just the way it is because of the damning nature from the curse of the garden. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of point that out to you in a little bit. I'm not going to use the book, but we're going to look over the two different. I'm the same. I'm the same person, but I got a couple sides to me. I want to make this clear to you. Justification, that's who I am in the spirit. Sanctification is who God's making me. And somebody said, oh, that's not you. You don't do that. I said, do you ever sin? It's the other side. Okay, just want to let you know. But I ordered this book before Christmas. It's called The Story of Reality. Please hear me. This whole life we think is about us, but it's about him. I'm talking about not just God. I'm talking about specifically Jesus. This brother, Gregory Coco, he was at First Baptist about three years ago. He's an amazing apologist, um, theologian. And can you imagine in those pages, he puts how the world began, how it ends, and everything important that happens in between. You think that covers it all, saints? And um, we seek so much to understand things. But if you look at the next words, first we go to Deuteronomy 29. You don't have to look it up if you're taking notes, fine. But Deuteronomy 29, 29, in the last 10, 15 years, has become so powerful to me. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may, we may do all the words of this law. Listen to me. Secret can parenthetically be mysteries. The mysteries of God. Until the day we take our last breath, there's going to be mysteries. And what I'm talking to you about is, there's things I've always had a hard time with eternity. And if any human being would admit to it, we really can't comprehend eternity. You want to know why? Because it's infinite 
and we are finite. We're limited in our capacity to understand, to have revelation. And so God needs it that way. I want to tell you something. If we understand God in his fullness, we're all in trouble. Did you catch it? He's got to be so other than us. He's got to have so much wisdom we can't. It's going to take eternity to get to know him and, and wisdom and, and revelation. So if you set a win on this, if you understand this, I never thought when I ordered this before Christmas that I'd be facing reality in a whole new way. God's not punishing me. I'm not a hero. I'm not brave. It says in the scripture that when I am weak, 2 Corinthians 12, he is strong. And the weaker I am, the stronger he is. I'm not trying to play catch. I'm not trying to go, ooh. It's, it's reality when you're sitting there with everything going on, especially when you're by yourself. Let me give you two other words, sovereignty and providence, providence of God. You better be glad that there's a sovereignty and providence of God. The sovereignty is his rule and reign over everything. His providence is nothing gets by our God. As Bill Hurley and I used to say, when we thought God wasn't interested or he wasn't around, he must be playing golf in the Bahamas. I mean, we just, you have to get levity sometimes. And what we were saying is, it doesn't seem like he's involved or he's around. But let me tell you, saints, you don't take a breath without him. There's not a heartbeat without him. And that's just me. How about billions? You want to get a hint of God? I watch Planet Earth. I watch National Geographic. They're so lost in their evolution stuff. But they, God lets them capture on film things that are so... Huh? How'd that happen? It's God. Now, why were we created? Anybody want to say it to me quickly? That sounded like tongues. Stop it. Do it again. Oh, that's not fair. You cheated. It's right up there. <laughs> we were created for His glory and His pleasure. He is a pleasurable God and to enjoy Him forever. If you're not born again in this place, you won't get to enjoy Him forever. Do you hear me? I can't make that happen for you, but you can. But we're not talking about overnight or the weekend or your lifespan. We're talking about eternity. And I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm going to keep mentioning this to you. If you've been considering Jesus and you haven't connected, you may run or think about it because you may walk out of here today and it'll be your last day. I'm going to minister it in Paul's last words. It might be my, I don't know. But I know one thing, every one of us, as Tony would say, have an expiration date. And so, as we look at this, I want to ask you, why did, how many of you, if God, when God saved you, some of you might have wanted to be, just go right into the presence of the Lord. Now, it, thank you for being honest about that. The only reason we did that is so we could get out of trouble on this earth. <laughs> There's too many problems. Take me home, Jesus. And frankly, I haven't had, and I've confessed this, 
Paul said, I'm here, left here for your sakes, but if it was up to me, I'd go home with Jesus right now. Now, I'm not giving an excuse. That's Scripture. But he didn't have the la familia that I do. And the things that we do together and the friends that I have. And so I love it. I love parts of this world. But I'm telling you, when it comes down to the rubber hitting the road, my whole life has taken on a new blush. When I drive down the highway, the sun, the clouds, the trees all look different. Even billboard signs with those old Burger King hamburgers. Pizza. Are you kidding me? Hoagie and pizzas. I would think about going to sleep. I couldn't even smell one now. Frankly, I asked the Lord before Christmas to deliver me from the idolatry of food and sports. Lord, did you have to do it this way? I mean, we, you could have just, like drug addicts, delivered me immediately. And I really do mean it. Sports, it's amazing. But it's because we see life from a different perspective and different value system. I'm not trying to put anything on y'all. I'm just sharing the heart. So why did God leave us here? You ready? Three major purposes. First one, to be ambassadors for God. We're his ambassadors. Ambassadors of what? Reconciliation. To reconcile ourselves through Jesus back to Papa God. The second one is to be truth and life bearers. Anybody remember what, what Mary was called when the angel came to her? And they said, the angel said, you will be a bearer of a child of God. The theotokos, that's the Greek word for this. Theotokos means God bearer. Everyone in this room that's born again is a God bearer. And as you're a God-bearer, His light, His truth comes through. What we're doing here today can change your life. I don't mean me. I mean the Holy Spirit. He's the regenerated one. Last but not least, how many of you like to be conformed to His image? See, in sanctification, that's being conformed to His image. And most people... Dig their heels in. Oh, I'd love to be house to be clean. I'd love for God to strip me. Have you really enjoyed being stripped? Your flesh hasn't. Now the spirit man goes, go for it, God, go for it. Because it's in Romans 8, it's Philippians 2, chapter 3. Being conformed to his image. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but it's going to take a miracle an amazing change for me to be like Jesus. But he never gives up and he never stops. Sanctification is a lifelong process that ends. You get your Ph.D. in sanctification when you take your last breath. Now, I want you to see a couple things here that have helped my life and I hope it would help yours. I think it's on there. If not, I'm going to say it. Wow. Get ready. A hundred years ago, this year, one of my heroes died. I know you're looking at the sign. Look at me first. Don't look at me. One of my heroes died. He was an army chaplain in the British Army in Cairo, Egypt. He was 42 years old. 
His wife's sitting there and he's polishing his army boots in the camp. And his wife, Biddy, that's her name, says, Oswald, what do you think God's going to do to our friend who is terminally ill and sick? And what did Oswald say? I'm not so concerned so much about what he does, but who he is. Because who he is, his attributes and a character determine what he does. How many of you know God is good? When? And? Now, did we just parrot that or is that true? Sometimes does it feel that way? And by the way, you better not fudge while you're in the service. The Holy Spirit's keeping. Woohoo! Here's another old expression. CJ was just teaching, just sharing this with our granddaughter Mackenzie the other day in the room. He said, Granddaddy's been teaching us for years God doesn't waste a crumb. Anybody know what a matrix looks like? Or what were those old things in the old days that we used to put sticks in and they had circles with holes? And you'd build something. Say it again. Okay. Well, God's in the divine tinker toy business. Because there's things that you see that are going on, but you have no idea that's connected to this, connected to this, connected to that. Did you pick up on that? That's why he doesn't waste a crumb. What I'm going through right now, as I told you before, you may think this is funny, but I'm going to share it as we come through this. But I, I'm going to get it out since I have it. Um, we're going to go over a verse that talks about some of our idiosyncrasies, i.e. slash habits. Now, as my family and my close friends know, I don't have many of those. <laughs> I better take a drink of water. My daughter just gave me the look. By the way, excuse me, this isn't sanctified, but they're the water and pee patrol. <laughs> yellow! Yes, it was yellow. Drink, Dad, drink, drink. Okay, we'll get through that now. Blue Bloods attorney. That's who she reminds me of. Dad? Okay. Let's quickly get... I'm going to go back to the habits that I don't have. Um, Psalm 139. 11 through 17. Surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. There is no darkness with God. Now watch this. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Keep going. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book we were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
last verse. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Precious saints, listen to me. I don't care how tall you are, what kind of nose God gave you, what kind of anything. Are you telling God he made a mistake? Did it just say that he intricately made you in the womb? I got another that will blow your mind. There's never been another fingerprint like yours in history. Billions of people. And there's never a moment in eternity that God hasn't known you. Did you hear what I said? He didn't know you when you were born. He knew you before the foundation of the world. And he loved you. So don't you ever tell me no one loves me. And I don't care what you look like or the way you act. Don't you dare put yourself down because you're telling God he's not a great framer or artist. Now, let's go to Acts 13.36. It's one of my favorites. Some of the things I'm going through, some of the saints have heard before. I'm going to blow by some of them, but I'm going to mention them. This is one of my favorite verses also. As you'll notice as I go through, you'll see a bunch of favorite verses, okay? For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, was laid with his fathers, and saw corruption. Look at the word O-W-N. You ready? The Greek word is idio. What's the first word that comes to your mind? Gee. Isn't that sad? After all that, we come with the word idiot. Is that a negative or a positive connotation? Negative. We use it. We use it so much on others. You know what that means? Get ready. Peculiar or unique. See, in his own peculiar generation, unique generation, David fulfilled. He was called by God to be born at that time, to serve God at that time, and to die. You are alive today as a child of God to serve him uniquely, peculiarly, as you are. There's never been another you. The way you are, your mannerisms, the way you do things, Some of them, yeah, you developed from family. But there's certain things about you that have been you from the beginning when you were a baby. He took pleasure in doing that. So there's not a person in this room, if they're born again, and if you're not born again, you better get on the page. For David served the purposes of God in his own. You have a purpose. You have a calling. And it's real. I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm speaking the truth with you in love. That God has uniquely created you. And here's the thing that he told me years ago. You know, son, I display myself through each individual uniquely. We see a side of Jesus that we wouldn't see in somebody else. That's who you display as you were born again, created by God. You need to tuck these things in your mind because they're so real and they're so true. Now, I've got to say this. You are unique 
you're peculiar, you're distinct, but, Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. So Peter, first of all, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and the Italians. One of the first Gentiles to be saved were Italians. And the reason is they were the ones who crucified him. Talk about redemption and mercy and grace. So he goes to Cornelius, and he didn't want to go. He was the Archie Bunker of his day. You young ones have no clue what I just said. (laughs) He was as biased and bigot as you can get when it came between the Jew and the Gentile. So he said, God sent me to you. And Cornelius said, Mamma mia, thank you because I heard from him too, and you were supposed to come. And he started preaching the gospel. And you know what happened? He didn't teach them anything. They didn't have a book to go by. The gifts of this, that. They received the Jesus in their hearts from his word. Irresistible grace. And they started overwhelming with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And prophesying and speaking in tongues. I'm going to be alright. And Peter... Stood up. He went away. Now I understand that God is not partial to any person or ethnicity that wants to come to him. It had to take a miracle for God to change Peter the bigot. And he was so thrilled. He even got chastised by the Jerusalem thing. Why? Because they dunked him. There was a there was a a baptism going on, and they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they got the Duncan. But it happened in the heart, the regeneration. Then they affirmed by baptizing. But see, saints, listen. You may be unique, peculiar, and distinct, but you're not special. Ouch. Well, you leave today. Guess what he told me? Woohoo, peacock feathers come out. And, and on your way. That's called P R I D E. And God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, what I'm trying to convey to you is he has no partiality. It says it in Romans 2 2, if you want to check it out. Not Romans 2 2, Romans 2 also. No favor or partiality or bias and no prejudice because he loves us all and we want to be the one. I'm telling you, the S-U-N, this person here, this person here thinks and wants the world to revolve around them. The sun. We're the sun, S-U-N. And all the planets revolve around us. And people, we want them to cater to us. That's natural, demonic. (laughs) But guess what? Reality, this book, is that everything revolves around the S-O-N. Not the S-U. Did you get it? Gotta move on. I'm trying to... I can't tell Drew he's not here. He, one day I finished the message and all of us were taking turns. And he came out. He came running up. Carmen, you did it in 29 minutes and 30 seconds. 
And, of course, Bill was here, too, and he went, bravo. <laughs> well, neither one of them is here, so, mm. <laughs> Sorry. That was not sanctified. <laughs> okay. Now, I do want to say to you, during this difficult time, I was able to draw on the words that have been invested in me through the years. Some people are uh, memorizers, love to memorize Scripture. Mine, I just kind of kept reading it. And when it, and when it gave life, it stuck. We all have a spirit depository in us. And those words get in there. And like I told you before, everything takes a blush on it. And, and the things in my life, now I have to confess this, I have a few habits that need to be changed. Habits and idiosyncrasies need to be changed when they affect others or are sin. If you're imposing on someone else, I have been bound to a thermostat. What? Don't laugh, family that knows me. Honey, you are free to put it on anything you want. I'd be in your police in the thermostat. Stop it, Brittany. And I'd also, everything that's going on in the house, I kind of police it. I know none of you ever do this. None of you wives, mostly with these husbands, with idiosyncrasies. Women have them too, by the way. But these things just, they become a part of your life. And they affect those that you live with and love. And I'm not kidding you. I told CJ when the family came over and they diagnosed. I mean, it's amazing to hear that you've got a tumor that big on your pancreas. And besides that, you've got lesions all over your liver. And they're two separate what? I was in the medical field for years. Are you kidding me? But that night, I said, oh, my precious children and grandchildren. And I said, things just don't affect me like they used to. Um, I don't hide my chocolate anymore from the grandkids. It's not funny. But I'm allowed to have dark chocolate, though. Right, Roro? And I put it right out in the open. Of course, CJ saw it yesterday and tried to swipe it. In fact, the first Wednesday that we told this and we were all together, there's a big dish of chocolate kisses. And he said, what, Dad? You've released all that? And I said, yeah. He took his hands. <laughs> Come on, everybody. <laughs> that wasn't your place. But anyway, you wouldn't believe how perspective and things change. When your value system and something really serious happens. But hey, was this a surprise to God? Come on, you better do no with me. Is he providential? What's neat is, I heard myself telling somebody, when you round the corner of life, there are definitely mysteries and surprises things. But guess what? He's already around the corner. You believe that? Yes. Okay, now I'm going to say to you again the words. It's called the Logos word. And I want to convey to you that I have no idea that I'd be using these words when the tax would come. And I would just say, 
him whose mind on me is kept in perfect peace. That's King James, Isaiah 26.3. Then I'd say, oh my gosh, I have taught this for years. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's so easy to stand up here and preach that. Right, Grady? But man, and then some of my brethren don't like Ephesians 5.20 that Robert gave me years ago. Well, I understand. I can give him thanks and everything, but not for it. And Ephesians 5.20 says, for everything. Well, you know what that takes you to? The sovereignty and the providence of God. If God is good all the time, then we say, yes, Lord, I give you thanks. Are you all hearing me? So, and I would, boy, this one has got me through. My grace is sufficient. For when you're weak, I'm strong. And that even includes demonic. I'm not going to get into that. But 2 Corinthians 12 talks about Paul having a messenger from Satan. A physical, we don't know exactly what it is. It might have been his eye, whatever. And Paul cried out three times, Lord, please remove this from me. And he went, I love you. Well, then remove it. Now he said, I am displaying to you my power. Because when you're weak, I'm strong. And then the last one is this. Not I say a lot of them. But I say this all the time. In Him, Acts 17, 28. In Him, I live and move and have my being. Did you hear that? At night when it's dark. In Him, I live. And you feel like you're having a heart attack. Which takes me to a couple testimonies. And then I'm going to close. The first one I called, and how many of you know there's in the Bible there's a verse that talks about the terror by night? Psalm 91. Bill and I have talked about this for years. The enemy in your own mind goes to places that you normally wouldn't go when you're by yourself or when it's dark. And man, this one night right before... In fact, it was the night we heard. It was World War III in the spirit. Terror. All kinds of things. Well, if you wouldn't have done this and if you wouldn't have done that, which was condemnation, it wasn't God. All these things were going in my mind. And I looked to my right in the spirit. I don't want to squirrel anybody out, but just hang in there. I looked to my right and I saw a demonic dark presence. And I looked to my left. And our lazy boy chair, Jesus, was sitting. And we know he's sitting at the right hand of Father. We know that. But you know the Holy Spirit's the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate. One who comes alongside. And Jesus and the Spirit's our great intercessor. And when I saw him, he was kind of sitting in the lazy boy. I got this. I got this. So I immediately, in my pain, both mentally and physically, CJ had told me, and I'm not on Facebook, so social media to me sometimes can be so negative, but hearing it lies being positive. He said, Ed, you wouldn't believe what's gone out. And a number of people, not only here in this country, but around the world, I'm getting them from Israel and South Africa, and I'm like, oh, God. 
There were so many prayers praying for me that night. And I remember one precious person in this room that's by themselves, has their child every once in a while, and said to me over Christmas, they were so sick. And it was in the middle of the night. How many of you know when you're sick in the middle of the night? It's ten times, Bill. And said, I felt so lonely and so abandoned. And, and when I thought of her, I said, Lord, tonight there's others in this city that have no one praying for them right now. They're going through hell. They're not even born again. But things are happening and they're lonely, even saints, lonely and feel bereft of presence. Now, I don't think this is unbiblical what I'm about to share with you, but years ago I was walking the streets of Montgomery. And I was doing it for years. And I said, oh, Papa, this is like shooting an elephant with a BB gun. And he said, oh, no, son. Every prayer you pray in my name goes to the central bank account in heaven. He said, these prayers are being offered to me. And he said, they come and he said, even when you drive by and you see someone across the red light, you say, Lord, just bless them. And he said, look, I'll show you. And he showed me this amazing bank of computers in heaven and prayers are coming up. He even showed me an icon that said savings account. And I made fun one time of a Sunday school. A major denomination had been around and all the guys were standing there in their black suits and hat. And they were the Sunday school for that. And I went... I wonder if there's a religious spirit or are they really praying. I mean, did the Holy Spirit take me behind the woodshed? He said to me, you see that savings account? Back in 1904, those men were praying a deposit that you're reaping right now. You know, prayers from thousands of years go in to Papa and the Holy Spirit is the CFO and Papa God and Jesus, Jesus, the intercessor, goes, I said, Lord, you're kidding me. I, I showed up at the meeting on a Wednesday. Randy was probably there with me years ago. And a black preacher came up to me. Never said a word to him. He said, Brother, I want to say something to you. Okay. He said, The Lord showed me you walking on the streets in the 80s. And you were praying. For God to save men here. He said, not only did I get saved, but I'm a pastor. And the Lord told me those prayers went to heaven and applied to me. Saint, I never asked him. Never told him. And he volunteered that. Why am I telling you this? I'll finish this. So that day, that night, I said, oh, Papa, there's so many prayers for me. Would you divert someone to somebody that no one's praying for? That's okay, because God knows which ones and how many I need. But what about the ones that don't? The Lord said, I will, son. And here's what he said to me. You will make deposits that you won't write a check on. And you'll write a check on deposits you haven't made. Do you think I'm writing checks right now? All the saints, many in here. Churches are sending things. Oh, my gosh. So it's a sweet aroma to God. It goes to heaven. And then the Trinity knows exactly what to do. So I felt comforted that night that someone else 
may have been helped potentially. The next one is the CAT scan. Some of you know I was in nuclear medicine 15 years before I went into the ministry. And I, and I was under the CAT scan and they were about to give me the injection. And I know as well as anybody you can have a reaction to it, all that. So I'm, I'm about to get in and we have one young certified nuclear medicine tech. She was right next to me. And I said, okay, where's the nurse and doctor? She said, outside the door. I went, before she pushed me on reject, I would, what do you mean outside the door? Are they coming in? No, sir, I'm just going to inject and do your study. And I said, and the Lord said, I'm the only one you need in here. You could have 10 radiologists and 15 nurses, but I'm here. And I got you. So as I went under, I started thanking him. I said, Lord, forgive me for that. And the machine, the captain, I know them, and it's rolling. And the Lord took me to, in the spirit to India. And I was in an old hut along the stream. And then I went up to a city called Chamba. Dr. Rashis is up there. And he knew I was certified. This is only in five, eight years ago. And I'm going in, and I look at this cinder block building, and the x-ray machine was the same one I used in 1964 in Alaska. There you, I was like this. We went upstairs, and they had a surgical table. It looked like a picnic table. And above it were boards that were crisscrossed with incandescent lights. And in India, the power goes off and on. It's not stable. And all of a sudden, while people are having surgery, the lights explode. And the glass comes down on people in surgery. Bill and Alan and I saw that. And we had the gathering, Isaiah's legacy through Bill and the gateway. And we sent them a surgical table, the light, new incubator. I'm just telling you, saints, I'm under this CAT scan, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is so... And people around the world don't have access to it. They're dying in huts, and I'm not trying to be the old bleeding heart. I'm speaking the truth with you. We've got to have a fresh perspective of what goes on in life. Now, I'm in the next one, and I'm almost finished. I know they preachers always say that, but... So hang on. <laughs> Indulge me a little more. When we got the news of the cancer, they were so gracious in God's grace. They immediately, was it the next day, they put me on chemo. This was, they told us on Tuesday night by phone at home. I showed up. And how many of you know chemo is not fun? And I'm laying there, and they got three bags of difalucan, nausea medicine, steroids. By the way, did I become chatty Cathy on steroids? But anyway, oh, you mean I'm not chatty anyway? Oh, okay. <clears throat> and so we're, and again, I looked in the spirit. And the three bags had names on them. 
mercy, grace, and hope. Because I literally was on death's bed. I had nothing left in me. I was so depleted. And I saw those names, and the Lord said, you're not only hooked on it now, but I want you to tell the saints that they're always hooked on it. My grace, my mercy. You don't know it, but you're walking around with a spiritual IV. Always. Is that good news? Then he showed me, they came out, I call it my banana popsicle. It's not a popsicle, the banana drink, it's the chemo. And they stuck it up, and there's CJ and Michelle and Elaine, and they're all sitting there, and we're praying. How many of you know that chemo is poison? So we said, the Holy Spirit said to me, coming out of that one is a filter with the blood of Jesus. And I was getting a transfusion of his blood, symbolic. And I was like, I mean, my fear started really dissipating. But I looked down the room. There must be 30, 40 patients at one time and they're getting treatment. Different rooms. And I looked and they had weights on and, and different hats and masks and sitting there like this. And I looked and the Holy Spirit said, many of them are getting healed by that poison because they don't know me. It's called common grace. God loves them and has mercy on them. Even though they need to be saved, God loves them. And he has scientists create this medicine. Ashley knows she's in the hospital all the time. There's things that we do if it wasn't for God. It's God that gives the revelation to that. Does anybody know the body better than God? And the metabolism and the intricacy. And so... I looked, and it was so precious to see them. And then God's been using us to just, I I can't even convey what I'm about to say to you, but it's real. The Lord has changed my whole perspective of life and ministry. I no longer feel like I need to be a human doing. I'm a human being. And I'm there if God wants to have at me for someone else. To eat my broken bread. By the way, you don't drink grapes. If you're going to drink wine, how did it become wine? Ooh. The press and the crushing. What he does with us in pressing and crushing. He will. Use it. Now quickly, this is the time and I think I skipped. Brother, will you go to Psalm 1633? Yeah, I'll hang in there a few more minutes. I got one more testimony and I'm done. We ready? Can you go back there? Say it again. This is the authority of truth. Does Jesus lie? Would he fake us out? I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Another word is trials. In the world you, say it, 
Not maybe. Well, somebody told me when I got saved, all my troubles would go away. Liar, liar, pants on fire. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Go to the next one, brother. I'm giving you these quickly so you're not snookered about life. Scripture's already told us. For I consider that the sufferings of this present moment are not worth comparing with the glory that is being revealed to us. And I've heard saints say and I'd say, oh yeah, I'd like to trade it right now. The present sufferings for that. Is he not warning us? He's not keeping us in the dark. Go to the next one. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Get ready. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed. Hello? Wait a minute. You didn't tell me I have those cancers. That's perplexing. But not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Are these all applicable? One more. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Go to the next one. So we do not lose heart. Please look at the next sentence, and I want you to read it out loud, everybody. Though... I don't care what age you are, your cells, as a part of the curse of the garden, are decaying. I don't care how much you declare, no, in Jesus' name, I'm dead, dead, dead cells. Well, brother, where's your faith? In Him. In Him. I have to believe the Word. All of us are going to one day be there. It may happen in different ways, but we're going to be there. And so, do I have one more? That's it. I do. James chapter 1. Take a breath. You ready? Counted all, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Here we go. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. I gave you those so you can possibly deposit them in your spirit, man, and use them. So you're not snookered. So you don't think that someone's lying to you. Now, I can go and finish on this one. And I woke up in May of 1982 on a Monday morning. And across town on Troy Highway, the pastor of the church that he raised up in 1975, I was the associate pastor. And he resigned on Sunday morning. The elders went up and had a meeting and said, Carmen, go ahead, go home. Bill was one of them. And then they informed me that night that I was now the senior pastor. I always thought I was going to be a number two man. I was very comfortable with that. And, of course, the Lord just smiled. You have your plan. I got mine. <laughs> and I said, 
So I got out of the bed and put my feet on the floor. God, help. What am I supposed to do? And he said three things. Pray, preach, and love and feed my sheep. Which really was the apex. Love and feed my sheep. So now, go to Acts 20. Before Paul left, he pastored Ephesus for three years. And before he was leaving, they were so close. And I've been here, been this. We get so close in the family of God that we don't mind hugging and loving on another. Watch us. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to do what? Say it again. Admonish everyone with tears. The next one. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The Greek word, admonish, hear me, means to correct upwards. You don't even need, you don't even need to know. It just means, see, we in the body of Christ and family members, we, we put down our kids or friends. That's condemnation. And when you correct, if you put down, it's not the Spirit of God. But, Paul, when he said, I admonish you, he meant, I'm correcting you upwards. So, precious saints, let me now admonish you in the Spirit. If I have a charge, if I have something in my heart, I want you to see this. Oh, that's right, i got a little note here. I'm going to get out my pet peeve about Satan. Because of what I'm about to tell you about the body of Christ where is Satan right now? Mm-hmm. Pretty quiet. He's a single entity. I'm tired of hearing Satan say, Satan's been on my case this week. Satan's been on your case this week. Even preachers do it. No, I don't think I've ever been in the presence. Where am I getting this strength? Holy I don't think I've ever been in the presence of Satan except one time about four years ago up at APAC. Netanyahu was speaking, 18,000 Jews, Obama. I mean, see, he lurked, he goes about, says in Job, Lord said to him, where you been? Oh, just roaming the earth. First Peter 5, 8, he said, Satan, our adversary, roams about the earth, goes about the earth seeking whom he may devour. He's not omnipresent. We give him too much credit. Do we deal with principalities and powers? Is our warfare with them? I said we wrestle. But not Satan. Why do I think it's so important? First of all, theologically, it's erroneous. Because that gives him something different that God is the only one that has omnipresence. God is the only one that's omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Not the enemy. He's a fallen angel. He's been defeated. Now, I know he causes havoc, but my favorite verse is 1 John 5. I don't even have it on there. 18. It says, those who belong to the Lord, he cannot touch them. We're purchased by the blood. We belong to the Lord. And if you're his children, 
You remember the big guy, that you, big brother that stood up for you when the others want to beat you up? Jesus stands in front of us. So will you get this now about Satan? I don't want to. You're not even allowed to revile against majesty, angelic majesty, Second Peter 2. So I slipped that in. It gave us a few more minutes, but I had to get it off my chest. Okay. Now I'm about to admonish you. There's a lurking spirit and attitude in the body of Christ. Do you hear what I said? Churches around the world. The Lord gave me this when I came back from Israel and South Africa. I was ministering to the pastor. And he said, the elders are messing with me. And the elders said, the pastor is messing with me. And the sheep said, I don't like what the elders are doing. And by the way, I don't know if you know, but sheep can bite. Right, Grady? CJ. Okay. Here's what the Lord said. This side of you can be influenced to do what I'm about to show you quickly. Go ahead, put them up. Five words. Blow through them. This is old teaching. And Jason and Deanne Spivey on read, say it. And you just put my name up there and you'll find the whole article. Here we go. These are the symptoms of a religious disease. What's a religious disease? Anybody know how Scripture describes it? It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says, a form of godliness or the appearance of godliness without the power of the Holy Spirit. How many people come in these buildings Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday? And, <laughs> and here's what's infecting. Here's the symptoms. Watch, look at that. We compare to one another. We compare the way we create. We compare our giftings. When you compare, guess what it's going to do? It's going to make you compete. You're going to have competition. And I can't believe that church down the road. I had a lady come to me and say, we have the best worship, worship team in town and my pastor's the best. I said, I'm glad you love your pastor. And I'm glad you love it. But there is no top ten in heaven. That's ludicrous. Compare. No competing saints. I'm admonishing you in Jesus' name. When that happens, you compromise the call of God. And as Mackenzie reminded me, don't forget, Granddad, there's two types of compromise. (laughs) The positive and the negative. And I went, you're right, this is negative. When you compare and when you compete, you're going to compromise the call God has on your life. Because you want to be like someone else, especially if you see, I hate this word. You think they're more successful. The kingdom of God has nothing to do about success. It has to do with fruitfulness. Not successfulness. I'm yelling at you. Because I hate these. I literally hate them. Uh, Whoa, complain. Of course, that never happens in here. Or anywhere else. Nursery, worship team, this, that, rock carpets, air conditioning, instruments. Whoops, hang on, I'll turn this around. Beautiful. We complain. Do, oh, Philippians 2. Do how many things without complaining? What is that again? All. And I don't care what Greek you go to, all there means all. <laughs> and the last one. 
it's so insidious. We criticize. Criticize so many things. And here's, the Lord told me to tell you this. It says in 1 Thessalonians, please do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But this truly grieves the Papa, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus died for the church. Papa sent his son to die for the church. And the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to go to the cross for the church. We're grieving them because we're playing God and taking this all away from them. Did you receive that as a correction upward? Here we go. Second Timothy. Last scripture for. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. This is Paul. He's about to be beheaded. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me. Look at me. Read the last part. But... Paul didn't say the crown of diamonds and gold and silver. He wasn't looking for that. Everybody said, man, brother, you can have no privilege. I said, I don't even want to think it because my motives are never pure. I just want to get the crown of righteousness. I just want to finish the race. And as I close, I say this to you. I don't know if that has to do with me in the near future. But I'm going to tell you something. You want reality? Any one of us in this room can leave those double doors, and yours may be today. How's that for reality? Did you get it? Let me pray for you. Oh, Papa. I love your sheep, and I love you. So, Lord, I don't know. There's a lot that I might have put out there, but. Only you, Holy Spirit, can be like Velcro and let stick where anybody in here needs what was said today. Each one might need it in a different place. So we love you. We thank you. Thank you for being sufficient for me right now. Give me your grace. And those in here, I pray that you'd have an irresistible, you'd, re, you'd, you'd see, you'd release to. You submit to irresistible grace so that you can enjoy him forever. We thank you, Papa, in Jesus' name.